Hello and welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Doing all right, Alex. Good to be back. Yeah, well, look, we thought we'd do this um, special episode. We we recorded our, uh, our, our flashback episode of the, the decade that was for, for Hull City yesterday, which will go to air on YouTube in the coming week. Um, but we sort of mentioned on that um, that Look, you know, with with the COVID cases in the UK and the implications it could have on City, um, even though we haven't had a game uh, since our last episode, we thought we'd do this special episode just to talk about that and, and sort of the implications on on City's season and and also football in general. Um, so I guess you know, starting point, Logan. I mean, number of games that have been called off. Um, I think there was only five games this morning as as basically a complete round of League One fixtures. Um, what's your concerns or what's your feelings around um, the state of play at the moment in the league? Yeah, interesting. I, I think that it probably, as you've kind of alluded to already, it, it touches on different uh, ramifications for different teams uh, and given their injury situations and uh, I guess the, the thing that is somewhat uh, concerning is there doesn't seem to be a real uh, clear criteria of what constitutes a team being able to play and not able to play. Uh, yeah. So I guess it's these late diagnoses where uh, you kind of go ahead and, and let a fixture take place and then a few days later we find out that uh, one of the players that you played against or in, in your squad potentially you know may have been a close contact or have um, in fact uh, contracted COVID-19. So I, I guess that the, um, the concerns for the Football League are trying to make decisions that uh, cater for everyone and don't really provide um, any real huge benefit or advantage to to some clubs and not others. Uh, so I guess primarily the, the player safety should be um, should be the number one concern. And although as a football fan, it's very selfish for us to, to sit back and, and wish that there were games being played. And I know certainly speaking, uh, this, this festive season or festive period didn't feel the same as it normally does. Uh, being able to watch City play, uh, but ultimately uh, we want to finish the league and we want to make sure that the league is finished well with um, with the integrity of it being um, upheld as well. And that means playing teams at their best and making sure that the players are looked after. So I guess overall that's the, the big things that kind of concern me. Yeah, and look, we were sort of talking before we went to air that uh, I think over 40,000 new cases in the UK yesterday, which was the second day in a row that they were setting a new record, which is really concerning in, in the sense that um, it, it sort of harkens back to early March, April sort of figures where where it's sort of even spiralling further than that. Um, and you touched on there really interestingly the fact that we're, we're concerned and we want to be able to ensure that the season can finish. Um there's got to be some doubts or some concerns kind of creeping in now that, I mean, granted, there's the vaccine that could potentially alleviate a lot of this. But, um, you know, you have to look back to six months ago that League One and League Two were suspended and didn't finish their seasons on the back of a, a huge disruption from the virus. And we're already seeing teams, you know, Accrick and Stanley, Sunderland, who have only played 16 or 17 games, which are, you know, four or five games behind a whole host of other clubs. Um where you, you kind of think maybe we get to a point where the season does have to at least be temporarily suspended, um, if not permanently for the season. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on the potential, I guess, of the season being abandoned? 
Well, I think there's a few things that you have to look at in that as well. Is if if you were to to uh, abandon the season, probably I, I think is something that would have to almost rule out initially, given the fact that uh, the reluctancy of the football league, given the amount of games that have already been played, I think that would be important. But theoretically, if we were to move the yardstick and uh, put in a uh, you know suspended or um, pause the season, so to speak, then those games still have to be played. And and the backlog of games that that might uh, leave for players towards the end of the season, again, when you consider the amount of games that are already played, uh, particularly in the lower tiers of of English football, to to try and, um, you know, condense them into a shorter period uh, would have a a very um, catastrophic effect, I guess, on player wellbeing, uh, given the fact that uh, circumstances just in normal life aren't really the same at the moment due to these um, the restrictions and, and just the way that I guess the world has changed um, in, in light of how we're supposed to live now to, to care for each other. So when you think about burdening players with, with further games um, in that period again, um, it, there's a huge mental health consideration as well, but as a, physically uh, you just wonder how's, how's that going to actually uh, be played out and, and will the league still be kind of the same if we're we're asking players to be playing you know three games a week um there are there about uh in a, in a really condensed time period particularly if they've taken um time off it's a, it's a huge ask and just uh, what that does for the league i think if you if you have to play so many of those back-to-back games um does the standard of football drop considerably mm. particularly games in a relegation battle or a promotion fight um yeah they it's just it's it's a really difficult one I, I don't think i've got the answers but you can just see so many different problems arise um from what seems like a good idea now to postpone it um how it might catch up with them alternatively yeah. in the season yeah and and look and then you've also got the concerns about the fact that we've got the euros theoretically happening in the next off season which presumably um <laughs> because everything's just been thrown out of whack with with the the way that the last season finished, so you've got this season already playing catch up just to finish at the end of the the, the time frame of a normal season, which is sort of you know st- first week of May essentially, um, which means we're already playing catch up. Even if no games this season had been postponed, it was already quite a condensed schedule. Um, and then you consider the fact that yes, there's not many clubs that would be impacted by the Euros at our level. Um, I don't think Northern Ireland qualified and, and uh, Josh McGinnis would be our only player, I think, who'd be affected. Uh, maybe James Scott with Scotland as well, not sure. Um, but you've got that tournament. Whether that tournament even goes ahead, I'm not sure. I mean, it all really depends on how um, Europe gets its cases under control. But as you're saying, there's it's, it's a real race against time to get these fixtures finished and, and in such a condensed period that... Um, I know that uh, officials have been talking in the last few days about the potential for a, a one-week or two-week suspension of all of the leagues, you know, Premier League down, just to sort of act as a circuit breaker and try and get the cases under control. Um, but then, yeah, as you say, it, it then it then has implications down the track of where you where you pick up these um, these missed fixtures and uh, and what that means for the league, whether 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 the league sort of. It gets to a point where it acknowledges maybe we can't complete all of the fixtures. We we play a you know for a thirty five game season and we kind of get all the clubs to agree that thirty five games is enough to, to have a fair season. But then you've still got the fact that okay, then everyone doesn't play each other twice. Like, you know, I'm sort of spitballing things here, but but there's a, a number of different factors to consider on on how to how to finish the season fairly and safely for the players, the personnel, the staff, everyone involved. Um, that also that also is fair um, for the teams battling promotion and, and relegation. 
Absolutely. And taking it even back to a, a city standpoint here with mm. we don't really know what's been reported for the amount of cases or if it was a sole case, um, even in our circumstance. So we obviously know that uh, Kane Lewis Potter had had issues with it earlier, but um, I think that was more just being a direct uh, contact. I don't believe that was actually that uh, reported that he'd contracted it himself. Um, but again, we obviously have, we know that our, uh, our fixtures are the ones that are being postponed uh, along with many other clubs. But is that because we have uh, a close contact? Is it because we have three players with it? Um, it's, it's been really interesting to see the way City have uh, remained very coy and um, and very private in, uh, in what they've kind of allowed to be reported back. Um, which, which I find really interesting because it's obviously enough for the football league to have heard our concerns and and run with it and accept that you know we're unable to play those fixtures, and really um, it's the fact that it wasn't just the the sole fixture that was cancelled. There was there was multiple fixtures. Uh, it does make us wonder what's actually going on behind closed doors. Yeah, and, and I, I was going to bring about the city um, um, following that, which was the uh, interesting fact, as you're sort of saying, we don't really know what the issue is with City, but it seems as if it sort of revolves around that uh, Ipswich game where I think a lot of the Ipswich players and, and staff seem to have contracted the virus uh, maybe before the game even. Um, and then as you say, whether whether it's just that our players are being treated as close contacts for the Ipswich players, whether some of the players have now contracted it, um, it's really unclear. And, and I guess what we do know is, you know, we've had the Sunderland game suspended and also the Lincoln game, uh, which would have been this morning, was also suspended. Um, which, in a way, I think there's been a few managers who've kind of come out and said it, it's it's happened at a good time for City. It, you know, it, it's good in the sense that uh, we get George Honeyman back to full fitness, you would think. We get a few of the players back to full fitness and, and hopefully, um, you know, rested legs for players like Josh Emanuel, who've been running through games, um, Greg Doherty, stuff like that. Um, it, it's an interesting one, though, as well, because as we're saying, it then leaves us with a, a big pileup of games and... Now we're four points off uh, off the leaders, I believe. Um, so uh, four points behind uh, Lincoln. Yeah, 34 points for us, 38 for Lincoln, because um, I believe they had a game over the weekend against Burton. Um, you know, even just the fact that, uh, you know, we're sort of slipping down the table, it, you, you kind of start to feel that pressure to, to catch up on, on the league leaders. And let's not forget that those fixtures, as you've already mentioned, that we, we didn't end up getting to play. They're huge fixtures in the yeah. scheme of... We're, we're talking about real six pointers, and so uh, you know, whilst we can look at it as a positive that uh, it kind of stopped our rot, or potentially uh, may have may have stopped the rot that had set in at City, uh, those games still have to be played. And if they get uh, placed into you know other uh, difficult areas of the season, where we could end up finding ourselves in a situation where we play three, four back to back six pointer games, mm. which uh, you know. If you're flying with momentum, perhaps that can be a good thing. But I tend to look at it as more of a, a concern as far as um, they're, they're kind of the, the make or break, uh, you know, games that really, um, you know, define your season. And if you and, and sort of as we were talking um, last season as well, the huge risk is the fact that if you have a player who picks up a really innocuous sort of injury that's, you know, a one or two week injury in a normal season, that means that they miss a game or two. If, if you're playing these games in such a condensed manner, you, you end up missing four or five games, um, which, is, which is hugely significant on your season. So, for instance, George Honeyman having the uh, the hamstring tightness that he had, if he was to, to pull a hamstring um, in, in the game against, say, Sunderland and then is out for a stretch of four or five games in, in what would otherwise just be a one or two-week injury, uh, it has a huge impact on your season and on, on your form. So, 
Um, yeah, there's, there's a number of aspects that are, are kind of concerning about the way the season's unfolding. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I suspect, you know, we're sort of reaching breaking point, I think, when you've got, you know, five games being played this morning constituting a full round of fixtures. Um, it's, you know, less than half the games. I suspect you only need one or two more sides amongst those to, to have any issues to, to sort of see the league have to have to do something because... Um, you, you get to a point where the league starts to lose a bit of credibility if if they're not able to fulfil um, the majority of the fixtures. Um, it's interesting. I mean, they're saying that we're going to be playing this weekend against Charlton, but um, whether that means that you know some of the sides might be coming out the other side of it, that they're coming out of that isolation period and, and things return to normal. But, um, yeah, like, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm. And even just touching on that Charlton fixture, I mean, if you look at the table and where City sit, having that game in hand now, um, if Charlton were to, to were to beat us uh, on on the weekend, then uh, it puts us right back into the kind of the the final places in the in the playoff positions, which is a an incredibly uh, precarious place to be, considering um, only a few few short weeks ago we were league leaders with games in hand, uh, so to speak. So. Uh, Again, I think the the COVID implications um, are, are far far and widespread, and um, it's going to be fascinating to see how the league decides to um, deal with it. Yeah, um, I, I would also sort of intended to have a look at um, fixtures played this morning that really impacted on us, um, but it, it looks like in 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 the whole, um, the games played this morning really were amongst sides towards the uh, the bottom of the table. Um, however, I guess the, the real interesting result that we sort of um, drew attention to before we went to air was the uh, the Shrewsbury win over Blackpool. And Shrewsbury now have put four wins in five together, um, you know, beating beating some of the real top sides, including ourselves, um, and really sort of starting to climb that table. So, um, and that's sort of come since they changed their manager a few weeks ago. So, um, it's always interesting when when that sort of you know we, we might have a result that looks really calamitous as it first happens, and then within a few games, it sort of given a bit of context, it actually ends up being a case of okay, well, you know, we're not the only ones that have suffered a defeat at the hands of Shrewsbury. They're actually starting to put a decent season together. And I guess that's that's the football league. We understand mm. that we've become very accustomed to watching these teams uh, go on runs and. Momentum is just incredibly important. It's, it's funny what it can actually do to a season. I mean, you mentioned on the the last podcast when we spoke about where we sat in the league at uh, at Christmas time and and where Stoke were, and um and how that kind of reversed right around and we saw them go on a, a an extreme charge while we uh you know obviously we know we know our fate and exact same thing. What's what's happening with a team like Shrewsbury and again. Going back to uh, what, what COVID implications could even mean for a team like that, you know, to be to be four wins out of five, and then if they were to be postponed and have a couple of games off, that could halt that kind of um, momentum that, that's happening. So it's just it's a really fascinating time, and as you mentioned, it's it's what we kind of expect that teams like Shrewsbury or your lower league teams that at first it appears like a really bad loss, but um, ultimately, once they kind of get their systems down pat and, and start to work out, you know, how their what, what their best side is and, and get a little bit of uh, um, kind of headwinds, you, you really can see these um, this this table change extremely quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I, I was thinking we can uh, we'll do a preview of that Charlton game in a second, but just before that, um, it, it's been interesting the last few days. Um, I saw Tony Pulis had been sacked by Sheffield Wednesday after. I think 45 days in charge or something it was a very very short reign for him at chef wednesday um 
and you know the usual sort of Twitter Twitter uh, in the know accounts or, or rumor mongers sort of pop up. And one that was uh, one that caught the eye of a few city supporters was the the rumor that Sheffield Wednesday were interested in Grant McCann. And uh, the reaction the reaction was uh, pretty telling, I think, from city supporters, with many offering to um, to drive him over there themselves. But what, what do you make of that rumor? Do you think there's anything in it at all, or do you think it's more wishful thinking than anything? I think it has to be wishful thinking. It would be. We talked about it last podcast as well, actually. But the the contrast is: how would you sack a manager that? Well, at the point of the the time when we when we discussed it, we were we were top of the league. Um, granted, we'd had a few few bad results, so it would be a really surprising move considering that Grant McCann is a yes man. I, I don't think that the owners um, are in any way uh, kind of inclined to to move him on. Uh, he seems to do what they require uh, from him by simply nodding his head and fulfilling whatever's asked of him. So from that standpoint, it'd be really it'd be a big surprise for um, for a team to kind of lure him away. I think from a city um, standpoint, we've, we've kind of the fact that we're having this discussion probably shows the fact that, um, you know, not too many people would um, harbour a, a huge amount of resentment or regret if we were to see him go. I saw a lot of calls on those um, on social media about, oh, let's get Adkins back. Like that was kind of the... Is he, um, is he still out of work? I, I believe it, yeah. Yeah, I think he's still unemployed at the moment. Um, and so, you know, uh, whether that would be a consideration, I, I struggle to see how he could come back and, and work with yeah. the... With owners in in any way but um it just i guess what what it highlighted to me was the the affiliation that um you know that city fans do have with with some of our previous managers and the way that they feel about them and yeah. Grant McInnes doesn't seem to have connected with the fans in, in that way yet despite um you know having a, a really promising season so far so uh, really interesting, but I uh, I don't think there's too much in the rumours just yet, and I, I'd be really surprised. Uh, no, I did notice that Chef Wednesday actually uh, picked up a win this morning too. A, a, a I saw result. that, yeah. So, um, you know, I, whether Grant McCann is, is the right man for the job there, I, I would be very surprised if he were. Yeah, I'd have to question the logic of bringing in a, a manager who um, whose only track record in the championship was to get a side relegated from an almost unrelegatable position. So it would be a very odd move, I suspect. Um, speaking of former managers, I, I haven't actually seen the video myself, but were you had you seen that uh, Leonard Slutsky's been making uh, YouTube fame for, I think, doing a karaoke rendition of All I Want for Christmas Is You? I did see in the city group that there was a video of him, but it was all in the the Russian text, and and oh, I didn't. I but then I did see Twitter rumblings about it after, so I think that's probably my uh, first job on this podcast uh, yeah. to to go off and, and watch Leonard serenading um, the the people that he was he was with. Yeah, he is a character. I, I, I've always I'll always miss uh, the uh, the sort of the quirky. Um, traits of his you know going going to the whole fair and uh doing all sorts of pretty quirky little things yeah it was a very very interesting character and um yeah. one, again we, we just come back to these managers that that people seem to resonate with and no, nobody really um ha- had any a beef with Slutsky, although the the results uh were kind of inconsistent to say the least we were scoring goals and the fact that he was just such an interesting and engaging guy um, you know, he seemed to seemed to have a lot of uh, left a, a legacy that um, you know reminds us and has a lot of uh, warm feelings when we think about Leonard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll quickly have a look uh, ahead at this Charlton fixture, which you know, knock on wood, it, it will go ahead this weekend. Um, 
Charlton's still managed by Lee Boyer, who who sort of similar to Grant McCann was was in charge there when they um, they were relegated at the end of last season, um, and then sort of similar to us, they they've they've had a reasonable start to life in League One. I think they're sort of coming from a little bit further back than us, but um, it, it's at a point now where if we're to lose to Charlton, they'll actually go ahead of us in the table um, this weekend. I think they've got one win in their last five, whereas. Or we also have one in our last five, but we've lost our last three, whereas they've picked up a win and two draws in their last three. So, you know, reasonably better form than us um, going into this clash on the weekend. Um, having not played a game in, in I guess, coming up to 10 days now or something like that for us, um, what are your, I guess, what are your expectations for this game? Are you, are you sort of, I mean, I haven't really seen any team news necessarily for the squad, so I'm sort of expecting a fully fit squad would be available for the game. Um, so in that sense, I'd be expecting you know, Honeyman to be starting the game um, alongside Smallwood. So, you know, it, it gives us a much stronger midfield group. Um, I know we were sort of talking before we went to air as well about your concern regarding uh, yellow card accumulation and, and what it could mean. Yeah, I did. I, I was reading up on the um, the uh, Daily Mail actually released the um, information about the the players that we have walking the tightrope. And because that Sunderland fixture was supposed to be our 19th game uh, before it was uh, postponed, uh, Callum Elder, Richie Smallwood and George Honeyman, um, incidentally, are the three players that if they were to pick up a, a red card, uh, a yellow card in the next um, in the next fixture, uh, which happens to be our 19th fixture against Charlton this weekend, then that would uh, consequentially um, result in a, a suspension. So, I guess when we consider, we've we've harped on a lot about it in recent times about the value of George Honeyman to the side. It seems like it would be a huge shame for him to to come back in uh, to the squad, uh, assuming that he's fit and, uh, and and pick up that card, and and then we obviously be without him uh, for some uh, some pretty critical fixtures given our position at the moment. Um, so I guess, I mean, if, if Smallwood was to, to pick one up, I think that we could probably cover. We seem to have a lot of strengths. So probably if, if Elder was to go, you'd consider playing um, one of our, our right backs in, in his position. Or Fleming, yeah. yeah. Fleming, that's right. So I, I don't think that we're um, incredibly out of depth in that, but I think uh, the George Honeyman picking up a card would be, uh, you know, incredibly dire for us at this point in the season. And look, I mean, I guess he's on four yellow cards for a reason. I, I, you know, I'll always think back to, I can't remember which fixture it was now, but there was one particularly cynical yellow card I can remember from him uh, right at the end of a game. It might have been against um, uh, Ipswich potentially um, where where he sort of just, you know, rugby tackled one of the players right at the end of the game to stop a, stop a break on the counter. So uh, he is known for, you know, taking one for the team, so to speak. And, and I, I, hopefully he has been informed that, that the case is that if he gets the yellow card in this fixture, it will mean a, a one-game ban. So hopefully the players are a bit mindful of that and it doesn't impact things too much. Um, for, the, for the game itself, do you have any sense of how this will go are you sort of expecting or, or hoping for a win or, or would a point sort of do at this stage i think that this throwing in the the added kind of uh intrigue of of what are they going to do at this stage we assume the, the game is on uh what's this break done to the to the squad is, has the rest been good or has it been uh, detrimental we we just don't know yeah. this is an incredibly interesting um fixture to to pick I think, as you've mentioned, even looking at the form guides, is there's two teams who, uh, who still sit incredibly high up in the ladder uh, around those playoff positions and, and automatic spots. But 
just the I guess the frailties of of the last couple of weeks and uh, and seeing games being cancelled and uh, you know the the real team with Lincoln just pulling away. Uh, this is a huge fixture for us in the context yeah. of this. This this is beyond what, what we would even call a six pointer because, as I mentioned before, if, if we were to lose this game, uh, we really uh, push our push ourselves down to to outside the six. And I say push ourselves down because it it seems to be that our form has has been so much about us beating ourselves as opposed to teams outclassing us. I think that was uh, very evident in the Portsmouth game as well. I, I think we have to be targeting this game as as, as a victory. We, we need three points, and I think anything short of three points will, will certainly feel like failure, given the fact we've had this rest, we've had the time off. We, we assume that we get uh, everyone back uh, to full fitness, and um, and I think that's crucial. So, look, I'm, I'm going to stay positive here. I, I think that it's going to be a really good return to form game for us, and, and I do fancy City to, to pick up a result here, but... Uh, I cannot stress. I, I feel that this is certainly our biggest game of the season. Yeah, and I completely agree. I think um, in a in a similar way to to last season, those first few games back from the COVID break were really crucial for us to to sort of get back to winning ways. And um, from memory, I can't remember which was the first game back, but I know we certainly didn't pick up a win for a couple of games until that Middlesbrough win, and um, and that really sort of uh, didn't give us any sort of momentum or any hope of staying up. And I know this break's obviously a lot shorter. It's only about 10 days or so. But um, similarly, like you're saying, I think it's very crucial to see how we bounce back from not only the, the form slump, but also the break in fixtures and, and how we how we can sort of get back to winning ways and, and get back to a really positive approach to the to the season. So um, I agree. I think, I think it's more than just the points on offer in this game. It's about the performance and the self-belief getting back into the side. So... Um, I'd like to say we'll win. I really would. Um, I'll probably say we'll just edge it. Um, I think it'll be a very nervy game. Um, but, yeah, look, if we're, if we're able to pick up the three points in this one, I think it'll go a long way to, to sort of calming the nerves, getting us back on track and um, and ready to face the teams in, in our schedule coming up. But, you know, that's sort of fingers crossed at this stage that the game actually goes ahead. So, um, you know, thank you for joining me for, for it was a pretty important episode, I think, to sort of talk about all these implications of um, COVID on the season. My pleasure. And let's hope that next time we're talking, we're discussing an incredibly positive return to form and uh, a really optimistic uh, outlook for 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully we've got a, yeah, hopefully we've got a game to talk about um, and that we're not sort of yeah, kicking our kicking our feet together, sort of wondering what to do while we wait for the um for the season to really kick start again. But um, look, you know, yeah, it was a great episode, and um, just remind everyone as well that uh, keep an eye out for the uh, decade flashback episode that will be going to air next week. It was a really great one to look back at the first half of the 2011-12 season um, under Nigel Pearson. So uh, that was a great chat as well. So keep an eye out for that one uh, to come. But uh, until next time, hopefully there's three points on offer and uh, and to discuss in our next episode. Um, so until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning